You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 496, Into the Red with Gordon Ramsay's Bank Balance, Welcome to the Age of the Scamfluencer, and The Return of Frasier, and BBC Three. That's all coming up after Suzanne Vega and Marlena on the Wall. Even if I am in love with you, all this to say would stick to you. Observe the blood, the rose tattoo of the fingerprints on me from you. Other evidence has shown that you and I are still alone. We skirt around the danger zone and don't talk about it later. Marlena watches from the wall, her mocking smile says it all as she records the rise and fall of every soldier passing. But the only soldier now is me, I'm fighting things I cannot see. I think it's called my destiny that I am changing. Marlena on the wall. Well, I walk to your house in the afternoon by the butcher shop with a sawdust strewn. Don't give away the goods too soon is what you might have told me And I tried so hard to resist when you held me in your handsome fist And reminded me of the night we kissed and of why I should be leaving Marlena watches from the wall, her mocking smile says it all She records the rise and fall of every soldier passing But the only soldier now is me, I'm fighting things I cannot see I think it's called my destiny that I am changing Marlena on the wall Marlena watches from the wall Mackin smile says it all as she records the rise and fall of every soldier passing. But the only soldier now is me. I'm fighting things I cannot see. I think it's called my destiny that I am changing. Marlena on the wall. And even if I am in love with you, all this to say what's it to you? Observe the blood, the rose tattoo of the fingerprints on me from you. Other evidence has shown that you and I are still alone. We skirt around the danger zone and don't talk about it later. And I tried so hard to resist when you held me in your handsome fist and reminded me of the night we kissed and of why I should be leaving. Marlena watches from the wall, a mocking smile says it all. She records the rise and fall of every man been here, but the only one here now is me. I'm fighting things I cannot see. I think it's called my destiny that I am changing, 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 changing. Marlena watches from the wall. Her mocking smile says it all as she records the rise and fall of every soldier passing. But the only soldier now is me. I'm fighting things I cannot see. I think it's called my destiny that I am changing Marlena on the wall 
from a scarcely believable 36 years ago, her biggest hit in the UK from her first album in 1985, Suzanne Vega and Marlena on the Wall. Big fan of the very underrated Suzanne Vega, I think. she. We don't hear enough about her nowadays. No, and massively more popular in the UK than in America. That mm, was a biggest thing. Interesting, but, yeah. Um, you know, it's probably had about 15, 20 single successes here, and um, I thought one and a half in America. Um, so, yeah, but very and, and still sort of comes over here when we are allowed to play live um, quite regularly on tours. Um, hello, and thanks for joining us for the latest from the Parish Council. It's episode 496. I'm Terence Dackham, and, well, has she signed up for an exclusive interview with Oprah Winfrey? Let's find out. It's Juliet Harris. Hello, how are you doing? Now, I, I, do you know what? Weirdly, um, she's not been in touch, but I, I, I reckon that it's just, you know, it's just coronavirus, isn't it? It's that, yeah. that, it that's, that's the excuse that everyone makes for any delay at the moment. Oh, it's just coronavirus. So uh, it's reached that point where anybody that doesn't want to do anything can just blame it on COVID. So, uh, so I presume that's why she hasn't rung me. Oh, or, or perhaps just a, a an oversight that will be corrected. Um, Absolutely, an academic <laughs> oversight. I don't know much about Gordon Ramsay. I had never previously seen him in any of his uh, apparently enormous range of television programmes. And otherwise, I've come across uh, the bloke when he appears in newspapers with headlines like Local Fury as Ramsay allegedly flouts <laughs> lockdown. And uh, also a few months ago, I watched a short documentary uh, fly on the wall series about life behind the scenes at the Savoy Hotel. Mm. And it was an interesting programme, but it was marred by the section with Gordon Ramsay mm. in it as he was breathtakingly rude to well, the staff at the Savoy Grill. Well, he's back on British television uh, this month, uh, stretching his ability to host Jules, <laughs> a new game show, Gordon Ramsay's Bank Balance. Now, so so you, I have to say, I did give you what can only be described as a volley of abuse when you told me that we were going to be reviewing this program for the podcast. I know I'm I'm terribly sorry for those cruel words that I sent you via WhatsApp, uh, mostly by the medium of monkey emoji, I think. But anyway, um, uh, the monkey with the hands over its eyes, which has been pretty much my my week actually. But anyway, um, I I so I watched this. And, you know, these kind of big ticket game shows are not really my thing. And actually, as you say, the breathtaking rudeness of Gordon Ramsay is not really my thing. I got really sucked into this and I'm not really quite sure how that happened. Although I do sort of know, firstly, the episode that I watched, which I'm hoping is the same one as you watched, had a girl and her mother as contestants. Yes, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Letitia and her mother, Rose, yeah. who were just charming and hilarious and brilliant television whoever it was that spotted them from their audition or whatever it was from their from their form you know isn't being paid enough because they just carried the whole thing through genuinely being very funny and and as Gordon Ramsay put it well just really loving each other you could really tell that they were really close and it was really funny and really entertaining also I was surprised at how nice Gordon Ramsay was Mm. actually I was not expecting him I mean, he's not a natural Ryland-style presenter in that he's doing all the pieces to camera, but then perhaps COVID means that that isn't, that isn't what we're doing at the moment. There was clearly some sort of studio audience there or some sort of studio audience track. I couldn't quite work out what was going in. on. Was it yeah, dubbed in? I Fair guess. enough. But um, it was... 
it, you know, it, it is the premise of it is basically for people that haven't watched it, it, it it's it's the usual thing that the, the BBC it's a bit it was a bit like Danny Danny what's his name Danny dies wall in that it's a combination of a sort of a large physical kind of game board style task mixed with sort of general knowledge style questions. And it involved um, the people in the contestants having to balance large bars of gold um, or, or something representing gold and silver, etc., on a large board and asking questions at the same time. And it, you had to try and not. Get, it, it was basically like, like a weird sort of version of Jenga with uh, with, with yes. <laughs> kind of yes. additional knowledge questions. But God, I thought Gordon Ramsay was very good with the contestants. He seemed to really like them. They had a bit of a laugh. I mean, it it was. I mean, there was a moment where I did think, God, this is mindless. I mean, I did stop when when those women finished and then left because I just thought they've kind of helped me through this, but I'm not convinced that I can stick with this. But given the times that we're in, given the limitations on what can be made at the moment, by and large, I mean, there, there's more being made than there was during the first time, almost this time last year, shockingly. But um. I didn't think it was too. I mean, it was it was no worse than anything else of that kind of nature. I quite enjoyed the fact, although I didn't mind the wheel thing that Michael McIntyre is doing. I quite liked the fact that it involved sort of ordinary contestants, particularly ones that were as, as charming and good for TV as as those two were. Mm. And you know, I wouldn't probably make a special effort to watch this, but it passed the time. He wasn't as awful as I thought he'd be. The show wasn't as awful as I thought it be. It would be. It you know it was what it was. It wasn't brilliant, but it wasn't dreadful. I didn't think. No, I mean, it, well, it began in a, in an empty studio on a rather cheap looking set, and I yes. thought, oh, I'm not sure Uh-oh, about this. Oh yes, but it wasn't. I too didn't find it as bad as I feared. Certainly, Gordon hmm. Ramsay, he's not comfortable delivering from a script, and no. his one liners were very weak. But he came across well yes, and he did. was generally supportive to the contestants. I think you, you've got it absolutely. And the the key to the relative success of this show was the likable pairs of participants yes. playing the games. Earlier, before Rose and Latia, we had cousins Tom and Rubin. Yes. And the, sh- the show itself was a little hard to understand if you haven't watched it before. Mm. And it is a little slow paced. Um, I found a few, a, a couple of major flaws, I think. It's a real anti-climax when the inevitable jeopardy point is reached. Yes. In this case, a small pile of coloured bricks tumble and the yeah. game's over. That's it. There's no kind of big finish. Uh, the second flaw is that, and I'm being woke here, but I make no apologies for it. It's rather discriminatory as you have to be very able-bodied and yes. tall to take part. You have to be in- quick. Basically. Yes, you do. Yeah. And you also have to be able to jog up a flight of stairs, it seems, yeah. as well at the beginning. But the third and biggest flaw, I felt, was that it was way too long and yes. in the wrong time slot. This is this is a 30-minute show stretched to fit an hour. Yeah. And I, with completely, the relic- I mean, that's that's why I switched it off halfway through, because mm. I, I watched half an hour. Yeah, that, that's Their enough, bit isn't finished, it? Yeah. And that was, that was fine. And also, when is it on? Because I watched this on iPlayer. So, yes. so I, like many people, I only have a sort of a glancing acquaintance with when stuff is 
is actually on now. Yeah, well, this is this is my final point. With with relatively small amounts of money available to to win, it should be on daytime in the afternoon. Yes, it's on a yeah. prime TV slot. It's on at nine p.m. on BBC One, but it needs to be if it's going to be on prime t- prime time TV. It needs to be on ITV with a million pounds as the big mm, prize, not as these were people going away with like nine grand. Well, absolutely. Grand. I mean, I think I think it's because it's quite. And the thing is, is that it's quite hard as you as you say it's a little it's a little bit like i completely agree with you the original carnation of the what is now the hundred thousand pound drop was originally the million pound drop which yeah. interestingly my cousin went on with his friend and they won 70 grand but anyway right. um they that was that was reflective of the fact that it was potentially quite a hard game like who wants me a millionaire and actually this this thing this 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 task that you have to do in bank balance is really quite difficult like yes. you said, it's a good point that you make about you know it, it, there only being certain people that can take part in Absolutely. this but it's but it's a really hard game as well as the the actual game element is quite hard as well as and, and i think the most obvious comparator to this is danny dies the wall mm. and the prizes on that are bigger i think and is it called the wall that danny dyer does yeah, i think like so that, yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, the prize on that is bigger because yeah. that was a yeah that, that's a that's a shiny floor show isn't it that's, that's mm. on on a, on a on a saturday night and that's on at prime time yet the prizes for that were bigger and also danny dyer was a better presenter for all that he is ridiculous he was he was more comfortable from reading reading from a script because of mm. course he acts than, than ramsey is mm. so um so I think you're right. And of course, I don't suppose Gordon Ramsay, as likable as he was on this, would really want to lower himself to daytime TV. So I suspect that's an element of it, of it being on Saturday night. And also, I I just wonder if it's still reflective of the fact there's still not an awful lot that can be made at the moment. There's more than there was. But um, but yeah, maybe this is just showing the fact that it is quite difficult to make big programmes at the moment. You can't make anything with, with any kind of audience. No. Which makes it difficult, like you say, this was piped in probably, it makes it difficult to come up with a big centrepiece, exciting, I think that's it, excitement is brought by an audience usually mm. and, and their reaction to things. So all of those shows, like The X Factor and all of the various musical, find me a, a Joseph, find me a thingy from Sound mm. of Music, all those type shows, which was usually occupy prime time with some success on a Saturday evening. All of those shows, the excitement comes from the audience buzz, I think, and the reaction, the voice as well, and the people spinning on the chairs. And you can't do any of that at the moment. So I so I do get why this is on at prime time, although it's weird that it's on at prime time. It would be it would be less weird if it had a studio audience, I think, like an actual mm. studio audience. And maybe Gordon Ramsay would be better at playing to an audience. I don't know. That could be so. Yeah, it was watchable and reasonable wallpaper television, but it relies heavily on the casting of likable contestants. So I say very well done to the casting team. Yes, they're the heroes, I think. We watched season one, episode four of Gordon Ramsay's Bank Balance. It's on BBC One at nine o'clock p.m. Coming wrong it up, grifters, goopers and scamfluencers. That's right after this splendid track from Little Roy.
continuing my series of reggae covers, which I've been enjoying very much. I think I might have brought this to the podcast a couple of years ago, but it is still one of my favourite reggae covers. It's worth hearing again from the brilliantly titled The Battle for Seattle album, um, which is an album of Nirvana covers done in a in a grunge style. Uh, that was Little Roy with his take on Lithium, which I enjoyed very much. I thought that was great. It's such an unexpectedly brilliant idea. It is, isn't it? it? Little Roy, he sings these Nirvana covers with like, like genuine warmth and style. He does. He does. I mean, it shows that they are really good music and that he is mm. a really good performer. Now, I think it's uh, it's um, it's just and it's inappropriately jaunty those words. Although it was also an upbeat Nirvana number, so I don't suppose it's deviating too much from its original vibe. But no, big fan. Mm. We've had great fun from time to time finding bizarre new ways for grifty people to separate mm. the government from their cash. How can we ever forget the splendidly named Thatcher Wine? Who, <laughs> yes, you remember him? him. He's oh, part of Altrude's yes. um, unusual setup. Thatcher Wine, we discovered, is not Mark Thatcher selling off the family's vintage chab- Shabley well, from the Give vaults. it time, yeah. Yes. No, Thatcher Wine is actually the name of a bloke who will help you if you're buying a new property and he helps you by filling your shelves with books based on the colours of their spines. Nobody has to actually read the books. Mm. You just sit across the room and admire Thatcher Wine's idea, uh, sort of eye for the colour palettes of the book spines. I still so, can't believe that happens anyway. <laughs> Carry on. Pay thousands more. I'm not doubting you. I just can't believe that, we, that it happened or we sat and talked about it. It's just so, so strange. Well, I wonder if Thatcher would approve of the latest... Um, Business enterprise in this field of paying huge prices for things you didn't even know existed, even less <laughs> stuff that you want. Well, uh, this week, this week comes news of the company Coast Capture Air, which is, in all seriousness, selling air captured at locations across the UK. Uh, 60 quid for the 500 mil bottle, 75 quid for the 700 mil bottle. Uh, they come in a charming looking bottle with a rather cheap looking sticker highlighting the company's name on the front. And uh, of course, you'll be buying a case of air from Devon Jewels. I'm just disappointed that it doesn't come in cans, really. That's more my kind of format for these things. But when I was very small, my friend had something in her house, which I can't believe I'm telling you this and everyone else this, but I hope you can all understand that I was quite as little at this point. I was about five or six, so I didn't quite understand how the world worked. And Ghostbusters was, of course, rather large during the, the mid to late 80s, both the films and also the real Ghostbusters cartoon TV series. Okay. which was my, the way that I consumed Ghostbusters as a small child. And so as a result, it was, there were lots of kids my age that were Ghostbusters fans, you know, that sort of thing. And um, the cartoon was the only way you could really watch it as a small child because the films, I think, were too... I can't remember what they were rated, but anyway, my parents wouldn't let me watch the films until I got a bit older. So I used to watch the cartoon series and very much enjoyed it. So my friend had a can in her bedroom, a small can. You know those child-sized cans of Coke you get? Oh, Not yes, the big yeah. ones, but the I really know. little yeah. ones. Yeah, I, um, I think they're meant to be lunchbox-sized, mm. um, which, you know, again, and we wonder why, you know, half the nation is is mm. struggling. But anyway, we uh, we, we, uh, we she had one in her, in her house, in, in her bedroom. And it was tiny, and, and it, it, it 
frightened me because on the side it claimed to have Slime of the Ghost in it. And if you open the can, Slime of the Ghost would come out. I was so <laughs> frightened of that can. I, I used to look at it. Half of me wanted to open it and half of me was just so frightened. It was like Pandora's box, except, yes. you know, a tinned ghost. So so whenever I think of cans, of you know, this can mm. of air, I'm a bit worried. Is this going to be another bottle of Slime of the Ghost? Um, I think that's probably more plausible than this bottle there, in, in, to be frank. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I couldn't. I was wondering if you know COVID and well the era of COVID that we are living in, and once we, I don't think we will ever stop living with COVID, but it will mm-hmm. stop defining us as a world. I think so. We instead of talking about post COVID, we could talk about post lockdown. I think mm-hmm. when we do eventually reach that state, I thought I, I thought it would send us either way. It could either send us towards back towards the way of reason and in some senses it has and that you know people have valued the advice of scientists you know the vaccines of you know we've managed to develop scientifically it did see off trump i think in america so so in that sense it's 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 a good thing i thought it would either rid us of these of these type scams and (laughs) scam influencers or they would have a bigger field day than ever because people would be very vulnerable and looking for quick solutions. Mm. Actually, I, I don't think there has been too much of that. It is not that I've seen, but it's very interesting that when we're talking about the age of the scamfluencer, to uh, quote this excellent uh, Mike article, um, there was also an article that's um that was in um i think it was i'm just trying to where it was it's uh, insidehook.com saying we're living in the golden age of the celebrity grifter now this was taken <laughs> from april 2019 so i wondered if perhaps we might be leaving the scam behind and we might be moving towards the age the age of reason because we've been we've been shown what happens when you don't listen to science and you don't listen to reason i don't know um there's uh that they make brilliant reference to uh you know you know the uh the the, the summer of sam that's referred to in the u.s well mm. you, you think you know that the summer of scam in 2018 <laughs> which it, and i didn't realize within the same three weeks um there was a the feature in new york magazine about the fake german heiress oh and Adele, her, yeah. yes i think they're making a film apparently which of course they were going to do it was at that point awaiting trial on rikers island for swindling hotels banks and manhattan elite types into thinking she was worth millions when she wasn't uh within this same time span john carrie publishes bad blood which is a a, a biography about theranos swindler elizabeth holmes and uh Giotolentino, I think we're pronouncing that, produces a feature on grifter season in the New Yorker. And they reckon that, she says, at some point between the Great Recession, which began in 2008, and the terrible election of 2016, scamming seems to become the dominant logic of American life. It's strange, isn't it? It's, it's, mm. I, and so I, I wondered, I, I mean, we do seem to be living in an era where, weirdly although there are more rules than ever before in some senses there is less there are sort of less rules in the sense that there is a kind of a general consensus that everybody has to do things to get by at the moment mm. i don't know how lo- how far that expands into selling bottled air and of course it's not okay to play on people's fears i just no. need to say that it's not okay to pull this stuff on people at any time but particularly when not when people are going through a time of great illness of great distress of great worry it makes it even more reprehensible than ever and actually 
actually makes it harder to laugh at because usually you know with the thatcher wine and co you know and, and uh what's the, the the youtubers zoella's advent calendar that costs god knows how much but you could assemble it from poundland for 7.99 stuff like that was funny <laughs> in normal times it's not so funny now now we're living mm. through an age of crisis so uh, so i don't know we might eventually leave the scan and, and snake oil merchants behind but then snake oil is a tale that's literally as old as time isn't it they've mm. always been these con merchants and they probably always will be so it's interesting to see whether or not we will ever defeat them and what it will take us to bring us to our senses i suppose i do rather like this new term scamfluencers which is a much more jazzy description than the the the, you know the previous sort of celebrity grifter term Um, i think there must be an insatiable market for this sort of thing because despite Mm. all the revelations of so many previous shop practitioners from the fire festival people to mr trump's university they they still seem to keep coming um obviously no way aligned with such descriptions or behavior uh, he says very quickly is gwyneth paltrow's hugely enjoyable goop website (laughs) i've been looking at it this week you can buy products such as chill child which is described as chill child what you can get a child it's kid calming mist a spray (laughs) to spritz around your kid's aura um (laughs) 3.4 ounces 25 quid and 15 quid postage um this is the postage that gets me on that although this is is coming from I've got Gwyneth more Patrick's to come. Island. Okay, tell me. Maybe I can tempt you with a, a Gwyneth own label pandemic face mask. She calls it a face anorak. Um, <laughs> uh, 70 quid and good news, it's unisex uh, ladies. Um, oh, thank goodness for that. I was worried for a minute. But perhaps then Gwyneth's choice of handbag for you Juliet this is what I've picked out for you um, thank you I'm really pleased that you've gone to this effort for yes me. this is especially for you it's the Hermes Arden Birkin bag um mm-hmm. on, available today from Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop website it's uh £14,276 <laughs> uh, non-returnable if you don't like it and oh, wait for this plus £239.64 for for duty and shipping fees it really is a golden age i presume i presume that gwyneth will be delivering that personally for that price (laughs) i guess that that's what i would expect she should she should deliver it so she should come around and polish it every week i think for forty thousand. exactly it could it could be worse it could be those candles that she was selling at one point do you remember those I dread to think. She was, yeah, she was selling candles that smelt of yes, part of Gwyneth's body, which one might, might not have expected. I know, I know. I am. Um, this is the the contractually obligatory mention of the Fortunately podcast. One week, Fee Glover announced cheerily to uh, to Jane Garvey that she had been on the Goop website and she was watching the because the, they did a documentary, didn't they, about it? They did like a TV series. Gwyneth did a TV series of life hacks, I think. Yes. And she said, I'm watching Goop TV, so you don't have to. Thank you very much for going on the Goop website and picking things out for me so I didn't have to. The Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow, that's what it's called. If you want to know how good it is, it's 30% rated on Rotten Tomatoes and (laughs) 2.5 out of 10 on IMDb. (laughs) Coming next, the return of Frasier Crane and the renaissance of BBC Three. Uh, that's, that's right after this track from the upcoming first album by Dry Cleaning. Many years have passed but you're still charming Rose falling and exploding You can't save the world on your own 
Things can't open the door, comfort cancel. It'll be okay, I just need to be weird and hide for a bit and eat an old sandwich from my bag. I've come here to make a ceramic shoe and I've come to smash what you made. I've come to learn how to mingle, I've come to learn how to dance, I've come to join a knitting circle. Sessions. It's a Tokyo bouncy ball, it's an Oslo bouncy ball, it's a Rio de Janeiro bouncy ball. Filter, I love these mighty oaks, don't you? Do everything and feel nothing, wristband, theme park, scratch card, lanyard. Do everything and feel nothing. Do everything and feel nothing. Pat Dad on the head. All right, you big loud mouth, and thanks very much for the Twix. I think of myself as a hardy banana with that waxy surface and small, delicate flowers, a woman in aviators firing a bazooka. A woman in aviators firing a bazooka. Ceramic shoe, and I've come to smash what you made. I've come to learn how to mingle. I've come to learn how to dance. I've come to join a knitting circle. That's just child chat. Why don't you want oven chips now? It's a Tokyo bouncy ball. It's an Oslo bouncy ball. It's a Rio de Janeiro bouncy ball. Filter, I love these mighty oaks, don't you? Do everything and feel nothing. Wristband, theme park, scratch card, lanyard. Do everything and feel nothing. Do everything and feel nothing. recommend the video for that track it's mm. mesmerizing um featuring the delightful vocal style of florence shaw due out in april 2021 the album is new long leg and from it dry cleaning and scratch card lanyard well firstly terence you've introduced me to a piece of music that i absolutely love i didn't oh. know about it i think i'd mm. read about them and thought i must listen to them mm. they're reminiscent of another band i love a lot which i've been listening to recently another post-punk style band with a female singer that doesn't always sing sometimes does spoken word life without buildings i think i've picked a couple of their tracks before yeah. very not similar but a similar kind of vibe and a similar aesthetic i thought the video was brilliant i love mm-hmm. the tune i can't wait for 
the album. Thank you for this. However, slight poignancy to this. I thought I'd do a not exactly a deep dive, but you know, maybe a sort of a maybe a sort of a, a medium bathing area dive into dry cleaning. Um, because they are unbelievably topical. I didn't realise that you were so topical. Mm. Their debut EP was called The Magic of Megan, as in Meghan Markle. Oh Lord. Because it's inspired by the fact that the Florence Shaw, the singer, said I was in a really long term relationship that ended and it was a big struggle to come to terms with it, look after my mental health and uh, not go totally crazy. I was in the process of moving out of my flat that I shared with my partner and the day I went to pack out all my stuff was the day that Megan and Harry announced their engagement. Oh, For some grief. reason, I found it really comforting to absorb all the information that was out there in the picture and the interviews. Guys want to talk about, you know, the issues with how mm. she got with how Megan's been treated in the press and that sort of thing this was this piece was published in in on the national the uh, scottish newspaper and, and website and um, this was published on the where are we looking this published on the 12th of february 2020 it talks about how there's a big buzz around this band how they're doing really well and uh, and it says the south london quartet have been flying since their conception in 2017 enough to pack up the original day jobs and make it a full-time gig come march the band will be the day job until then we've all been working at other bits and pieces explains florence will that be difficult going into a career as tumultuous as the industry seems the, the life before coronavirus, Terence. Uh, who knew? Who knew? Oh, I mean, dear. and it made me think. Oh man, I really feel for all of them. I hope mm. they're all doing okay because it just goes to show that a sort of band who you would think six music would be all over these people like mm. a rash, surely. And you know, and they do lots of festivals and they do lots of touring, and and the album will probably get a huge boost as a result. I hope that as we, if we do return to some kind of vague, more more you know, sort of normalness earlier later this year, that they're able to to make a name for themselves because I think I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was so good, so up my street, and I really hope that they managed to kick on after all that. Oh, excellent. Yes, and the album's out, as we say, uh, next month, uh, April 2021. Rebooting TV shows for a, a comeback, it can be f- a fraught affair. Uh, when when they work, it can be charming mm. and cheering. When they fail, it, it can be catastrophic for the careers involved. Um, Dallas, for example, was brought back in 2012, only to be very swiftly cancelled. I forgot cancelled. about that, and yeah. because it, it was it was blink and you missed it, wasn't it? It was so yeah, obviously a bad reviews. idea. Terrible reviews, terrible ratings got cancelled. Charlie's Angels returned to television in 2011. Yes. 13 episodes were filmed. It was pulled mm. after four episodes were aired. Not a, not a great, great vibe. No, really? <laughs> two shows that had run out of time, and they just had no juice left. On the yeah. other hand, um, the League of Gentlemen came back for 20th Ooh. anniversary specials and was triumphant, yes, as was... Um, recently mentioned here, uh, the superb Gilmore Girls. Ten years on, it ran four 90-minute episodes mm. that were beautifully crafted yes. and only added to the glow of the original. Well, this week, the much-loved sitcom with the worst-ever theme music was announced for a return. Um, Jules... I think that's unnecessarily harsh, but anyway. <laughs> bit of editorialising there. Uh, Jules, um, <laughs> Fraser originally ran from 1993 to 2004, and now it's being revived by Paramount, um, but seemingly without David Hyde Pierce, Jane Leaves, Perry Gilpin and John Marnie, who at least has the excuse of being dead for uh, not True. being able to appear. Um, this may be quite a gamble 17 years on. 
I think that the supporting cast are absolutely right not to char- touch this with a 60-foot bulge pole, personally. Mm. I don't see the point. The thing that, I mean, the interesting about Fraser was it was a spin-off, let's not forget, from Cheers. Yeah. And so it always seemed, so it was seemed like they were pulling one character out of Cheers. And to be fair, Cheers was so good. It had a number of very well-drawn characters that you'd think that they could run any, I mean, I know they ran Norm as a sitcom as well. So yeah. and did they run one with Cliff in or not? I can't can't remember but there were a few goes at a, at a sort of a thing and Fraser was the one that, that took but the thing that made it work was it wasn't just about Fraser as the one character in the spin-off the whole universe around him the relationships he had with his dad and his brother you know the the the, the, the sort of baroque style relationship that him <laughs> yes. and him and Niles had which is brilliantly parodied in the Simpsons by the way with um they had the good sense um Kelsey Grammer voiced sideshow Bob and uh, in slightly later series his brother sideshow Cecil turns up and uh, the two of them ha- who is voiced by david high pierce mm. and the two of them have this you know they go to restaurants and they the whole thing has the sort of the cards in between like fraser does and it and it's a great parody and and you know and niles and and daphne's storyline and and fraser you see him with roz brilliant brilliant roz mm. um in, in in the studio i can't imagine how fraser who was always quite annoying as a character i always felt that everybody mm. else took the edge off fraser as an individual I can't see how it's going to work without everyone else around Fraser. And they, I mean, they might come up with an excellent supporting cast, but it's not going to be the same show, is it? It's going to be, weirdly, Fraser is going to be appearing in his own spin-off from Fraser, which was a spin-off from Cheers, isn't it? Because it's not going to have any original people in it. Also, I do hate it when they bring back stuff that was ended perfectly. Yes. And Fraser ended perfectly with him saying goodnight Seattle at the end. It was it was done. He he moved on to another part of his life and it was just beautifully ended and tied up. And I don't see when something is I mean, if something has ended unsatisfactorily, if something still has a story to run in it, there is a, a limited argument for bringing, bringing it back. But I don't I don't feel the case is made here. No, I, I fully agree. I think the only possible way it will work is if Frazier is moved into a totally new situation, echoing, maybe, as you say, the maybe, change yeah. from Boston, as in Cheers, to Seattle in Fraser. But if they attempt to recast Daphne Niles, Ros and Martin, oh, that's a re- dis- oh, disaster, Loom. That, did, that, didn't, that didn't occur to me that they do that. They that would just be horrendous. Absolutely. Um, now, the other major return announced for British mm. TV this week is the revival of the channel BBC Three to linear television mm. after five years as an online iPlayer streaming service only. Um, Jules, I think you and your fellow millennials will be the target <laughs> audience for this uh, for this channel coming back. Do you know, it's really interesting. I have never felt like the target audience for BBC Three, mm. even though I am technically a millennial. I'm as old as you can get for a millennial, I think. But um, I was talking about this once with a friend of mine of a similar age on Twitter who... Um, for ages, Radio 1 was still meant to serve, it was meant to be 16 to 34, I think, and it was meant to serve people of my age. And I remember complaining once, and she said to me on Twitter, look, when will you understand? They don't want us. They're going for the 16 to 24s. We're going to Six Music now, and you like that more anyway, so stop moaning, which is, you know, fair enough, thank you. But, um, but yeah, it's so... Having said that, I I I was sad that BBC Three went off terrestrial TV, and I think there is actually I brought Six Music up for a, for a reason because I think yeah. there is something that I call Six Music Syndrome here, right? Which is that Six Music started off as a small niche thing on digital radio. 
Um, but it it was brilliant in that it targeted an ever growing market, which was this people that was it, it's sort of that I joke that it's the holding pen between Radio One and Radio Two, but that is a huge chunk of people to the chunk of i don't know what their official remit is but i would say 30 to 50 probably for six music mm. that's a huge chunk there are people that are older than that that just don't want to listen to middle of the road radio too that you know that, that are uh, we talked about this when we talked about boomer radio the other week mm. people that you know that are 55 but you know still listen to drum and bass you know how are those people being served by six music i think so but the, the six music nearly got closed down in I think it was 2011, 2012. It was one of the Latin Asian network were earmarked for closure, and there was a huge campaign run. And unusually for campaigns of this nature, it was a success. And what happened was six music doubled its listenership in the space of about. 12 months I think it was phenomenal and what it revealed was it wasn't that there wasn't the audience for it it was that if you don't promote things then people won't know they exist and if you don't promote things you won't get the audience figures that enable you to justify investment and actually Six Music is now a huge success story for the BBC there are TV adverts for it it's really cool it's seen as a real prestige feather in its cap they very nearly messed it up and 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 lost it interestingly when they when they moved bbc3 on online they said oh it's because it's it's aimed at, at young people you know we want young people to be able to consume things online so young people consume things interestingly the huge success stories that bbc have had in comedy over the last 10 to 15 years have nearly all started out on bbc3 um mm. fleabag this country um and and actually, in, uh, Gavin and Stacey, that was BBC Three originally. All of these, of course, him and her, yeah. all of these things started off on BBC Three. And interestingly, lockdown has shown that there is a market for BBC Three, that there is a, that actually some of the most innovative programming that the BBC does, there are brilliant, brilliant documentaries on BBC Three. It made Stacey Dooley a star, whose documentaries are, are very interesting because they're aimed at a really sort of younger audience i think they're really well made the big the big success was normal people that mm-hmm. was that was a b that was a bbc3 thing and actually i think there is the same thing which is there is a it's a platform and you know there was nothing like a year-long pandemic where no one can go out for people to actually enjoy watching television television again you know watching mm-hmm. watching stuff that's mm-hmm. on a screen so actually I think that, that that it has shown that for all that there are lots of people that consume things, you know, via via Netflix, via streaming platforms. Mm. There's also a lot of people that just watch TV. I, I, I've been surprised at how many people there are that just watch TV. And so I think that, that it'd be interesting to see stuff back on TV, TV. And perhaps this will show a renaissance by BBC Three because it will show that the BBC actually values what it has, which is the quality programming. It produced by a space that has a specific audience. See, culturally and artistically, if you like, I can't disagree with a word you've, you've said, but it does seem a bit of an odd move when the BBC are going through one of their most severe cost-cutting exercises. Maybe, but maybe. I'll be quite, quite happy to see it back in an artistic sense and also, also greater access on on sort of normal TV. Yeah. But it does seem strange that at a time when the BBC is chasing pensioners to pay a licence mm. fee to which they were previously, previously exempt, that they should be rebooting a channel back onto the mainstream. It, it mm. does feel a bit like um, new director general of the BBC and former 
Pepsi Cola marketing mm. man, <laughs> Tim Davy, is is making some sort of point here, perhaps to his predecessor, Maybe. Tony Hall. Maybe um, I I don't know I don't know what the what the budget is involved for this though. No. It, it, I mean, what? How do the figures stack up if you compare it to the license fee as a whole? It might be that. It, and again, I think like Six Music and and actually I can I can uh, bear my other bugbear. I can I can shake that out now as well. I am still so peed off that the BBC got rid or rather severely cut Late Junction from BBC Radio Three. It makes me so cross. I can't can't imagine that had a very big budget it was a program that was on quite late at night on B- on BBC Radio 3 and it was on I think four times a week I think mm. at, at least four if not five times a week uh no it was three or four times a week I think mm. I can't quite remember but anyway it was on several nights a week and it was the most brilliant mix of world music occasionally avant-garde stuff just really weird not weird stuff but a really eclectic mix of it was stuff really ambient and yes exactly music oh, I mean it's just, I mean I've got a couple of compilations and they're the sort of things in which you know you'd have you'd have a, a string quartet you'd have hip, hip, sort of Tim, uh, uh, Tibetan Himalayan throats singing you might have something by Bjork you know you'd have all sorts of things in one mix the BBC's Rethium kind of remit exists to have stuff like that that is not anywhere else you don't hear these but unless you're looking at something very specific like Resonance FM you which which again is a sort of an internet and a London-based station you 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 don't get that anywhere else so that is why the BBC exists and if it's cutting cutting stuff like that which it cut down to one show a week that probably doesn't cost anything or n- not in the grand scheme of things particularly if you compare it to big budget productions like Gordon Ban- Ramsay's bank balance which I think he's being paid quite a lot to do um as much as we were you know we, we were we weren't that anti it it just really makes me cross that stuff like that gets cut. And I think that that's what got people's bugbear about Six Music. It probably wasn't costing them that much. And it was actually turned out to be a prize asset to them that they were too stupid to realise that they had until they made the daft decision to cut it, at which point enough people were able to, to ramp up to realise they'd made a mistake. I'd be interested to see how much it costs to run BBC Three on TV. Because interestingly, I, I get the point you're making... Mm. I wonder if it's that much, and I and I wonder I wonder if it's one of those things that that actually has a bigger reach than perhaps its its cost is. So I'd be interesting to see, interested to see sort of what the actual numbers are because they might not be as big as you think they are. Well, it's still subject to regulatory approval, but BBC yeah. Three is due to return to mainstream or linear television mm. in January 2022. Thank you for introducing me to linear television as, a, as an expression. I didn't know that. I'm really into that. I think that's really cool. Yes, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Linear television. Honestly, are you watching so linear television? Yes, are you watching the iPlayer or shall we watch it on linear television? Love it. Thank you very much for listening this week, whether linear or online. <laughs> I was going to say, well, the thing is, is that we don't do this live. So it's all there's no such thing as listening to the podcast in a linear fashion, is there? <laughs> Now, perhaps you'll have a bottle of fresh air from Devon with you as you present your radio show this week, Jules. <laughs> I mean, that would give us the sort of, you know, the, the open air vibe that Sailing on the exactly. Ocean Wave gives us. Yeah, I see what you've done. That's very good. Um, as, as I as, And again, you can experience my smooth sailing show on my Mixler channel, mixlr.com forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris or search for my name on Mixler.com. Um, you can experience that in both linear and online fashion in that you 
can listen to it online going out live from 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday evening. Or you can listen to get again on the showreel button on my, my page channel where you can listen to it in unreal time. I quite like that. No, rather than sort of back to <laughs> so you can listen in, in somewhat unreal or even surreal time if you so wish. And if you'd like to hear some yacht rock and some easy listening and that sort of thing that's where you need to go really um now you've um what, what a gorgeous track to play us out with jules well i'm delighted that you think so terence i i discovered this sort of by accident this week really in that i was i was tr- trying to compile a mixtape for a friend of mine that involved having to to find bjork songs that began with certain letters and so i went on the wikipedia page to sit at other uh, internet uh, oh. research sites are available um, not many but some I presume anyway <laughs> I, I, I needed to find a song beginning with Y by Bjork and there was only this and as a result of which I stumbled across this marvellous cover version which I was not it's familiar magical. with just magical. isn't it wonderful isn't it Just, I, I mean it's, a, it's genuinely astonishing I think it's almost like she was born to sing this song and I say that as someone who loves Nancy Sinatra and the original version of this song it was recorded for Shaken not uh, was it called shaken not stirred or shaken and stirred might be shaken and stirred it was david arnold's um project that he put together some years ago now to um re- covering bond themes or getting contemporary artists it's called shaken and stirred um the uh, the david arnold james bond project it came in 1997 i cannot believe that's where we are but anyway um various versions on it or some of which are completely excellent there's nothing on it that's dreadful i think there are some things that are better than others but anyway this song was recorded for that and for some reason it was dropped they didn't use it and i just i think if you listen to this you may well be as bemused and nonplussed as i am as to as to why it wasn't included it is marvelous this is bjork and her wonderful version of you only live twice
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>